Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios, with Jeff Calkins on today's show, presented by Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas, online at redrivertoyota.com. We're back with The Gabe Kuhn Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Needed someone to understand my ups and downs. There you Jeff Calkins is columnist of the Daily Memphis and also hosts the Jeff Calkins Show 9 to 11 right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. He's on X at Jeff underscore Calkins. Jeff, how's it going? Uh, I'm good. We're in tank season, aren't we? No no bigs left on the team. Xavier Tillman and Steven Adams are gone. It's, it's, it's full tank season. Well, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I guess. I to me, To me, tanking is I am getting rid of these players in order to lose games. And I think they got rid of Xavier Tillman because he's walking at the end of the year. He's an unrestricted free agent, and you could get two seconds for him. Now, the the consequences is that you're going to win games. But, again, is it tank? Is it tanking? Tanking is let's get rid of him because he's causing us to win games. I mean, we're we're, we're rocking with semantics here. I mean, but the point being is the Grizzlies will be very bad on the floor, and they don't have any bigs besides Trey Jimison right now. I hate to say this. (laughs) Already were bad. Yeah, I know. Listen, so. they've lost six straight <laughs> games, but yeah. the effort was still there. I, I don't know what it's going to look like going the rest of the way. And I think the big question we need to monitor going forward is like when Desmond Bain and Marcus Smart get back from being injured. Well, like how much should they actually play? Probably not much. Is sort of my my thought process. Yeah, we discussed today um, on the show. Um, do you want to see him? Like, like, do, do you do you want to see Desmond Bain? Do you want to see Marcus Smart? Um, and do you want to see Brandon Clark? And my answer to that was, I don't want to see uh, Desmond Bain. I have no desire to see him. I don't need to see him. I know what he plays like. And get well. Have a good summer. Um, I don't need to see Marcus Smart. Uh, maybe a little bit more, just because you know he, he we have we didn't see that much of him as a group. But he, we're not going to see him playing with the players he will play with anyway. So I don't really need to see Marcus Smart. Plus, with Marcus Smart, there's the question of you know even when he was dealt here, how much tread is there left on the tires? So let's leave whatever tread is left on the tires. Let's leave on the tires. The only one I'd like to see, and Jeffrey said I was selfish for the wanting to see him, is Brandon Clark, just because there. Coming back from a catastrophic injury, I would think there would be some advantage to him in terms of just demonstrating that, you know, knock some of the rust off and, and demonstrating that he, he still has it or can start to work his way back. I agree and, with you. And from the fan base, I think it would be reassuring. That may, now, the truth of the matter is, of course, he can do all that stuff that he would do during a yeah. game. He can do all that stuff in practice. You know better. It's hard to simulate that. That, That's where I don't think you're being selfish in the slightest. Like, you need in-game experience. You need live bullets thrown at you so you know what actually, how you're going to react to that, you know, know, your Achilles injury. It's going to be a... It's going to be tough for him to do that at first. I don't expect it to be great if he does return this season, like first game back. But you need... need, I I, I don't think that's selfish in the slightest. You need those live live bullets. I would like to see Brandon Clark. I don't care about seeing the other two. In fact, I'd rather not see them. Um, I guess the way I look at this, though, isn't that it's tank season. It's that it's load up on assets. Even if they're, even if, let's be honest, in the, in the, you know, last week, they have accumulated five second round picks. Now, they're second round picks, and there's only so much value to second round picks, but they 
Um, you know, they, they, they help you do things at the margin. A, second-round picks have contributed. Witness Xavier Tillman, among others. So, so they have contributed to this team over over the years. B, they're cheap help if that's what you need to fill out your roster. And C, they can help you get stuff done. And so I think it's a nice piece of work to get. You know, once you've decided at the end of last year that you weren't going to you know, that, that the contractual situation was going to be such that he was a unrestricted at the end of this year. Um, it, it, once upon a time, Tyreek Evans was, was destined to be an unrestricted, unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. And we just killed the Grizzlies because they didn't trade him. Like, right. in, a, in a meaningless year, why did they hang on to this player Back then, it was actually much more tank. I think there was some reason to tank too. Like they were, it was in a much more competitive tanking situation. So it was like, why did you keep them? A, because um, you know, you, you, even if it's a second, go ahead and get the second for him. And then secondly, his presence on the roster, the continuing presence on the roster, felt like it was going to damage your your tank tanking. So Grizzlies fans were furious that Tyreek Evans wasn't traded that year. Here. I don't think anyone would have been furious if he wasn't traded, but it's very clear he has value as a depth player for a you know for a playoff team. And the Celtics needed additional depth up front. He's been very good defensively. He hasn't been good offensively, but he's been very good defensively. He's played in the playoffs before, and that's why you were able to get two second round picks for him. So I think. I think it's a nice piece of work by the Grizzlies. I'm, I'm, I'm as curious as anyone as to who the starting center will be or who the player will be, I guess, more accurately, right. who will play alongside Jaron Jackson Jr. in the starting lineup um, next year. Could be a center, could be a power forward. We just don't know. Um, but, you know, that's part of the intrigue of the summer. I think there's a lot of skepticism I'm going to uh, meet it with, though, until I actually see what moves they make. Like that's that's the that's the part of the the whole thing that I'm You're at. Like, yeah, there's there's salary flexibility. Yes, you have roster flexibility. You're going to free up two spots theoretically with Lamar Stevens and uh, Victor Oladipo uh, either being waived or moved, whatever it is. But I, I have to see what this ends up being before I really really sort of say this was the right thing to do at the right time. And I think mo- mostly it comes from Stephen Adams and what he's meant to this team in the past. And I know I'm a little late on that, you know, because it's Xavier Tillman today that we should be talking about. But that, that Stephen Adams move definitely leaves me sort of wondering really? what they're going to do to, to, to recover well, I wonder, that type of production me, in, the, in the future. It leaves me wondering, there's no question, but it, I'm not at all critical. Like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm no, curious. No, 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 that, I'm not critical. I, I'm scared. I'm, I'm sc- I have some skepticism about what they'll actually get done and what it'll look like coming up this offseason with all these second-round picks. I I don't think it'll be one of the second-round picks who replaces Stephen Adams. No. I think <laughs> okay, see, like that's uh, like an ad, they use those as I ammunition. Think, I think that you know it could be a draft pick. It could be who they get for the. It could be the, the, their number one pick. It could be who they get for their number one pick. Um, it could be, uh, you know, it could be a free agent, but it could be Kelly Olynyk for all I know. You know, there's lots of players it could be um, who are out there. Um, and actually, I have some confidence that it'll be a credible player. Now, will it, will that player do the things that Stephen Adams did as well as a healthy, engaged Stephen Adams did them? That seems unlikely because very few did. If you if you just talk about you know setting screens. And um, and rebounding, will that player do it as well as Steven Adams did? No, but honestly, 
there's no guarantee that Stephen Adams next year would have done right. it as well as Stephen Adams did. You know, we don't know his health situation. Um, as Chris Harrington pointed out on my show, Houston, in bringing him in, didn't bring him in to be their starting center because they have a starting center. They brought him in to be to back up Sangoon. Um, and that's a very different thing than counting on him to be your starting center if you're a team that aspires to make a deep playoff run, which the Grizzlies plan to, so or aspire to. So, um, so I don't know who it'll be, but but I, I you know I, I I have some confidence that they'll be aggressive about finding a player um, who will who will complement Jared Jackson Jr. The, the skepticism comes from the unknown because I think the Western Conference is very very good, and a lot of these teams at the top we have a four way tie: the Clippers, the Thunder, the Timberwolves, and then you have the Kings and the Suns. Those teams are locked up with what they have for probably the next two to three years at the least. So that's where my skepticism comes from. Can you make a move to find someone similar to Stephen Adams that can do the same dirty work? Um, and then add some things around the edges with these second-round picks that you have uh, acquired, whether you're trading them or using them. I, I, I would probably say trade them to go get a, a credible player. But can you, can you do those things, make those moves, and compete with these teams that are at the top? Because I think it's gotten a lot harder in the past year with the emergence of, of especially the Timberwolves and the Thunder. Yeah, um... You know, I don't know what the I don't know what the Timberwolves going to look like next year. You know, if you look at their stats when they have Mike Conley on the court and when they don't have Mike Conley on the court, they're dramatically different. And Mike Conley's a free agent at the end of this year, and they have salary issues that they're staring down the bottom. Like it seems to me that most of these teams have issues that they're going to have to grapple with one way or another. And you know, obviously the Clippers are great this year. Will the Clippers be healthy next year? Who knows? Um, I don't know. I, I I would right now. Let me ask you this. Right now. Yes or no, the Grizzlies will finish in the playoffs above the play-in. So they will not, they'll be in the playoffs, firmly in the playoffs, in the top six next year in the West. <laughs> I, can't, I, that, I can't answer that right now. I can't. I, I'm sorry. You get, I would bet yes. I would bet yes. Okay. Of course, we can't answer it. Like, is Desmond Bain going to be healthy? Is Ja going to be healthy? Well, and who, who do they have? Be because here's here's something that I've wrestled with, and I think a lot of people are, are maybe on the other side. And I think the Grizzlies are on the other side, at least to a certain extent, because they've talked about Jaron Jackson Jr. as a true five. We've talked about the training wheels on Jaron Jackson Jr., whether it was Jonas Valanciunas or Steven Adams. I don't know if it's training wheels as much as it's a necessity to have a guy like that to be alongside him. I think they know that. I don't care if you call them a true five or a four or whatever. They need that. They need if I think they know that they need someone who rebounds, right? Whatever you call that player, <laughs> someone who has a skill set that complements Jaron Jackson Jr. Because I am totally persuaded he has said I got to be a better rebounder. They've said he's got to be a better. You know what he's going to be? He's going to be a great defensive player, and he's going to be a an increasingly productive offensive player. And he's going to be those things. He's going to be a borderline all-star. He will need a player next to him who will rebound. And that is, you know, who will do some of the dirty work that Steven Adams does. I think they'll find a player who does that well enough that I, the truth of the matter is I would probably bet they'll finish in the top four next year. Um, mm-hmm. but, but in the top six, I, you know, who knows? Again, as you point out, who the hell knows? Who knows who they're going to get? Who knows how healthy they'll remain, et cetera? But given that they have, uh, I feel, listen, I thought they were going to finish in the top six this year. I thought they were going to finish in the top <laughs> yeah. four. And I feel better about them next year than I did coming into this year. 
Because yep. because because a they've discovered Vince Williams and b they're not going to be missing John for twenty five games. Um, so if you ask me how I felt about the Grizzlies before the Stephen Adam injury this year, which was very good, which was like you know what I think they're going to be the top four. I feel better about them heading into next year already, even not knowing who the five will be. But you seem a little more uh, dubious. Yeah, I just I I'm going to meet this with skepticism until I see what moves they make likely this off season. That's what I'm. Will, gonna, that's what will, I'm going to do. I will greet it. I will greet it with curiosity, but neutral curiosity, and okay. and and honestly, assuming they have, I think they already have a plan in mind. I don't think they're like, God darn it, who are we going to put next? I would suspect they. I bet if you went to the Grizzlies right now and said, "Give me a list of three players that you think might start next They'd year, have next year," they would tell you. Okay. Yeah. I got it. Well, they wouldn't, they wouldn't tell, tell you. They wouldn't, wouldn't tell yeah, you. Yes, yes. <laughs> but they would be able to tell you. Yes, uh, yes. They, they, they have some sense, I think, of, of, uh, of, of who, the, who that player will be. Right. We just don't know. Now, talking with Jeff Calkins at Jeff underscore Calkins, Daily Memphian columnist, also Jeff Calkins Show 9 to 11 right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Now, John Martin wrote a, uh, wrote a column for, uh, for the Daily Memphian today, and he said, the fate of the Memphis Tigers this season won't be up to outside influences. It won't be about social media. It won't be about small ball. What comes of the rest of the season will be up to Penny Hardaway and Hardaway alone. Now, I listen, I, I have been hard on Penny uh, these past couple of weeks, and I think it's fair. The rotations, it seems like there's no rhyme or reason at times. He will give a rhyme or reason after the game, but having, you know, Malcolm Dandridge, Jordan Brown, and Naquan Tomlin on the floor at the same time just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. It may make sense to the guys in that locker room. But uh, that's that's a different discussion for a different day. Do you agree with that sentiment? Uh, the rest of the season is directly on the shoulder of Penny Hard- shoulders of Penny Hardaway. I mean, in a way, I think the whole season has always been on the shoulders of Penny Hardaway. Like he's the guy who runs the he's team. He's the coach. I, I get that. I, I think what what John is saying is a version of what we've said over the last few days, which is if he plays, if he if he trims the rotation and he plays his best players consistently without yanking them around, that's how this team is going to. It's up to Penny to make that decision, and if he doesn't, uh, they're doomed, and if he does, that's the path forward. The only thing I would say about that is, A, I think even if he does play those players, <laughs> right? Like Even if he, if he had the ro- exact rotation that fans seem to want, um, I think it's, at this point, you know, well under fifty percent chance that they make the that they make the NCAA turn. Right. Even if they play the right the, the right dudes. So um it's not to say it's up to Penny alone from that perspective. Well, it's up to Locke, yeah. it's up to you know, there's a lot of things that are gonna go into it. And so well, and, and, and um, also as much as we talk about Penny and the rotations, Javon Quinterly and David Jones through that four game losing that. streak did not play well. That's the other thing. <laughs> yeah. They have been flawed players. There is an argument that like, you know, various people have said, you know what Penny should do? He should sit David Jones and Quinterly to send a message. You know what I mean? That's mm. not just rolling uh, with the best play. Not, not, uh, not but now yeah. necessarily, but right. last week people were saying that. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think one thing we've learned is that it's a flawed collection of players. And you can play the right players all you want. It's still a flawed collection of players. And if Quinterly, you know... Now, how much is would would Quinterly have been more consistently excellent? Would he have avoided the nights when he has you know more turnovers than assists? Had I think this is part of John's point. Had he 
had everybody known who they're playing with and when they're playing and there had been That's consistent fair. deployment, would they have been better all along? Um, and I think that's a reasonable argument. I did hear Jeffrey and Giannato talking about it though today, and they point out like, you look up; those guys have all played. You know, it's not like that. You know, it's not like Quinterly's played eighteen minutes in a game or anything. Like he always gets heavy minutes. David Jones always gets heavy minutes. So um, now they don't get heavy minutes with the same collection of players all the time, and I think that's what. So yeah, I mean, I fundamentally believe I've always believed that. Penny creates more problems than he solves with the way he manages the rotation. I think that has been true from day one. And I don't know whether it's because he feels the need to keep people happy or because he's made promises to people or because he's reactive to what he sees on the floor and is impatient and doesn't. I don't know why it is, um, but I do believe it has been a problem from the beginning. Um, and, um, and clearly is a problem this year. So I, I, I'm with John that I think their best chance um, to make the tournament is to roll with, honestly, that five that he, um, that he ended the game with um, and, 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 and see where it takes you. But, but I, think, I think even if he does that, it's the damage that they've done to their resume is such that it is, it is you know, it, it's certainly less than 50% chance that that's going to be good enough. But to me, it's just so much more. Like, listen, I Penny is shown in his past he wants to play 10, maybe 11 guys in a game. When he shortened it, I think he's had more success. But regardless, if, even if he wants to do that, it's just more about plan than it is about actually who's, who, who he's playing. If you're going to play the Carl Sharon Fonts and the Jonathan Pierres of the world, which I, nece- I don't necessarily think you should, those guys aren't just going to magically turn into great college basketball players um, as soon as you play them in a game. Um, I think you just need to have a plan with those guys. You just need to have more. And like your point, your point, your point, I do think Penny's reactionary. I, I do think he's reactionary. I think he, he gets frustrated and impatient with, with guys that are not giving him exactly what he wants when he wants it on the floor. And I, I, he's not the only coach that struggles with that, but I think that this year has been a, a breaking point with that, with, with a lot of the fan base and a lot of the media. Yeah, I think it's true in life generally. People profit if they know. People benefit and organizations benefit if – people have established roles, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and not everyone is going to be happy with that role. But those who are told they have reduced roles, they come to grips with it. And what's really difficult is when your role changes, you know, every, every day, such that you then think, well, my God, I should be having a bigger role. And yes, I had a bigger role, and I have a smaller role. And I do think we are all you know, if I showed up to the radio station and one day I'm the producer and another day I'm the, and the host and another day uh, I'm selling ads, like that would be weird, right? You know, we we all have our role. We all profit from knowing what our role is. And and then, yes, it, it's true. If we don't like our role, we can we can get out. It was, I will say, that someone texted to me, someone in the media, and I don't know if, if they want me to say their name, so I won't, um, and suggested that Penny does have a little bit of a balancing act because – Players like Carl Shannon and Jonathan Pierre are players that, like right now we're saying too damn many transfers. I mean, too many, you know, not enough continuity. Too many first-year guys, 10 of them, right? Like that's too many. Um, and, and the suggestion was that those two players are players that Penny might actually want to build around for next year. Yeah. And if he wants to build around for next year, he's got to, 
play them to bring them along, but also play them. Otherwise, they're transferring. Yeah. So one of the reasons that he he does what he does um, is to keep them happy, not because he wants everybody to be happy because he's a people pleaser, but because he wants them to be back next year for the good of the program. I do buy that. Do you think that's partly why he does what he does? Yeah, I guess I, guess I can. I guess I can see a, a world where that's the truth. But um, in the end of the day. This team, in the, end the, of the expectations. Day, it's not worth losing games over. It's yes, not worth. It's not. It's not worth it. You can yeah. go find other guys. You can yeah, go find them. It's other. not worth. That, losing that's games that. Over. You know. I. That's. That's what I would say. You know. I, I just. I missing out on the tournament with this set of circumstances, with what we thought this team would be. You know, just three weeks ago, potentially being a four or five seed, uh, playing those guys is not worth it. And I think we're just at a point. You know, with his experimentation, you can't experiment. You just can't. Your your back's against the wall. Your at large hopes are on life support. You have to just win and win and win and play your best players. Now, I want to ask you this question. I'm 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 approach it a little bit later myself. But Rick Pitino a few days ago talked about solutions with NIL. Of course, he's mm-hmm. at St. John's now, but with NIL and with college basketball, he said he wants a salary cap between 1.5 and 2 million for for NIL, the Power Five, and the Big East. And obviously, he did say, you know, contracts will be delivered to the league and the school offices. Conferences can establish their own salary cap. What do you think about a salary cap system with NIL? Does that make any sense? Is that does that? I mean, do you think that there's any way that that could happen going into the future? Well, so the only reason that salary caps are allowed salary caps are by definition like different employers getting together to impose a limit on how much you can pay people is is totally an antitrust violation right like right and so the only reason it is allowed is because it is part of a collective bargaining agreement so if you have a collective bargaining agreement that um that includes as it a salary cap then there is an exception um, to the antitrust rules, and there's and 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 you can do it. So, in order to do that, though, anyone who is a part of the collective bargaining agreement. So, first of all, you have to you have to agree that the players are salaries. You, you, yes. you'd have to agree that the, that the players are employees. <laughs> and we're we're, we're headed that direction with Dartmouth. Right. Dartmouth right. just did that. And then you'd have to all the members of the. Then you would have to have a collective bargaining agreement between those players. Um, that would be collective, collectively bargained with the universities to have a salary cap, right? And I don't think, well, first of all, if I were representing those players, I wouldn't agree to a salary cap that's $3 million bucks if I thought that we could get, if Alabama would spend $10 million. If I, like, if I was I UConn like, not, at the top of the Big East, why the hell would I give away I'm, my advantage? I'm not, I'm not, well, UConn might because they might, but but I don't I don't see what the players would like the players right now Alabama football let's just say what do we think they spend in NIL or Texas A and M what do we think they spend in NIL so it wouldn't behoove the players to agree to any salary cap that reduces their pay right now you know what I mean like mm-hmm. so it would be extraordinarily complicated plus who would be a member of the collective bargaining room every high school could kid who might go to college. <laughs> And then, and then one of the advantages of like the pros is that eh, it, it like it, it, it's unwieldy. But in the end, there's how many NFL players, and those players, like those are the players who are who are represented by the collective bargaining agreement. Think of how many college players are at totally different levels, and they come. I, I just I think it would be tricky to do it. Um, so the 
Rick is talking about it like someone who honestly doesn't understand salary caps and antitrust law. And he's like, we should just get together and impose a salary cap. <laughs> well, if you did that, the courts would strike it down. Because what the courts have said is you're not allowed to limit the earning potential of people just because you want to limit the earning potential of those people. And that's why we're in the, in the predicament that we're in to begin with. That's why the NIL exists and why they've, why, you know, why courts have said, you, you, you're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to say, no, you can't get money. And so you're also then not allowed to say you can only get so much money unless it's part of a collective bargaining agreement. And the start there would be to call them players, employees, which, uh, is not going to happen while Rick Pitino is still coaching. I'd say that anyway. Yes, and yeah, listen, I, I I'm operating on the on the you know the outside chance that this is possible and this could happen. I still think that it wouldn't happen because you just have different schools that operate with different donors. Alabama is not going to agree to the same salary cap as Vanderbilt. Why would I do well, that? I have funny. the advantage over Vanderbilt- you. Why wouldn't I keep that advantage? Well, what's interesting? The reason you would is because you like making lots of money. So, for example, you could argue that the Lakers should not agree to the same salary cap that Memphis has, that Memphis has, because they could outspend the Grizzlies like crazy. Same thing with the Knicks. Same thing with Golden State. Why would we sacrifice the advantage that we have when? we cannot totally bury them in spending. And the reason is greed or whatever, or financial sensibility, financial, they would say, yeah, okay, we're sacrificing that advantage. Um, we, 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 we can't take advantage of the fact that we're in a massively bigger market, but in the end, we're going to like a lot more money because of it. And it's going to be a lot more rational product. And so that's why they do it. Um, and you can make an argument that Alabama or UConn and basketball or whatever else would make the same decision. Um, I really think the bigger problem would be from the player perspective. I don't see why the players, if you are Bryce young and you're getting whatever he was getting, let's say he was getting a million bucks a year, right? Why would you agree to a salary cap whereby there's only $3 million a year for all the the entire Alabama football team? And so all of a sudden it looks like you're getting $200,000. Yeah. You, you wouldn't do that. And yeah. so, um, so I think it's I listen I appreciate all efforts and that's right. I'll um, say that all efforts to 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 create a more rational less chaotic system um I just don't think a salary cap is probably likely. Yep. And last thing, Saban to ESPN on college game day. I like it. I want to give a clap. I want to give a clap out I to, do too. to ESPN and Saban. The weird thing about Nick Saban is that he's kind of likable, you know, for a guy who has this sort of like unlike Belichick He's just a likable guy, even in his orneriness occasionally, right? And when and the times that he's been out, that he's not been, you know, a contender, and he's and he's he's or he's always been a contender. But the time he's not in the national championship game, they often have him join the the production. And I've always thought he's been really good. I, yep. I think he's I think he's charismatic in his own way, and I think he'll be great as part of that show. No question. Well, Jeff, I appreciate it, man. We'll do it again tomorrow. Yep. That's Jeff Calkins at Jeff underscore Calkins, columnist at the Daily Memphian, and also host of the Jeff Calkins Show 9 to 11, right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Now, Oxbow, family-owned, operated retail store. Get over there, 964 June Road, off Poplar on June Road, behind the Amico Station. You can see it from Poplar, but get over there, two-story storefront. You're going to be met with a kind, friendly uh, encouraging staff at that. You're going to see Earl the dog. He's an A-list celebrity here in Memphis. Go pat him on the head when you go in. But when you get in there, they have the best clothing that you can 
Bye. Um, and if you're a fan out there, like uh, most of the people out there listening, if you're listening to me, you are probably a fan of, of a, a college, of a, of a pro team. They have the best gear for that. They have Grizzlies. They have Tigers. They have Alabama, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Arkansas. Get in there. They will have, and they have it in the best brands. Genteel, Free Fly, Fair Harbor, Duckhead, Mizzen, and Maine. You can go upstairs, check out their uh, uh, great assortment and collection of hunting and outdoor essentials. Essentials, if you are a, uh, if you're an adventurous soul, um, if you want to uh, go check out some of the uh, sort of gear they have as far as sports memorabilia is concerned. They have cards, they have collectibles right there at 964 June Road. And they also have vinyl if you're a music lover. They have everything in there. And then also, if you're someone who likes to get out and tailgate during football season, they have cups, koozies, coolers, anything you need. They have it conveniently, 964 June Road, off Poplar on June Road, behind the Amico Station. They also have an online store, shopoxbow.com is where you can find that. Again, shopoxbow.com. When you go to check out, I try to give back to you. You can use my promo code, The Gabe Show, all caps, no spaces, The Gabe Show. You'll get 20% off your online order at shopoxbow.com. But whether you're shopping online or at 964 June Road, off Poplar, on June Road, behind the Amico station, you need to remember to shop local, shop Oxbow. Now it's time to take a trip around the National Football League, and we have some, some funny things that have sort of sprung up. One has to do with Brock Purdy, and one has to do with another Brock. His last name's Bowers. We'll talk about that next, 92.9 FM ESPN. Here on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. It's the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. It's time to take a trip around the National Football League that is brought to you every day by Longshot. The Tennessee Titans. So, I'm going to play some sound here in a second, but Brock Bowers, who is the uh, the uh, tight end for Georgia, he's been phenomenal. Um, he's going to be the number one tight end in this year's draft class, and he was on, uh, I believe, NFL Network today, or he was on a podcast of some sort. Um, he was talking with Chris Sims and everybody else, um, and he was sort of being asked about where he wants to land. This is this is what he had to say. Well, I know you can't control it, but if you could, where would you want to go? Whoever wants to take me, I mean, I'd. Uh, I'd say it's hard to say. I'd, I'd love to go to. Um, he wants the Niners well, to get rid of Kittle, and then he wants to go to the 49ers. <laughs> I'd be all right. Saying, I mean, let him I'd, say it. I'd be all right with going to the, the Tennessee Titans. I mean, I liked it down really in, in the Georgia yeah. Tennessee area. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I thought it was cool, but uh, yeah, it'd be a cool spot. To yeah, be. You hear that? And by the way, that was on uh, Pro Football Talk with Chris Sims and Mike Florio. That's with NBC. I apologize for the mess up there. But he wants to go to the Tennessee Titans. They have the seventh overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. Now, I'll say this. doesn't make a whole lot of sense for him to get drafted by them. I think they need offensive line help. And I think uh, sitting at uh, sitting at number seven, they should probably go after Joe Alt, the left tackle, the really good left tackle from Notre Dame. That's who I would sort of pose. And I think Brock Bowers may be picked before that, quite frankly. I think Brock Bowers could be picked before that. And the, the the team that I'd point to is at number five, you have the Los Angeles Chargers. That would be a great fit. That'd be an awesome fit. They they have a Gerald Everett right now at tight end. He's been solid, but you step up and you also, we know that the, the tight ends and how Jim Harbaugh likes to use them, you could get into those 12 personnel sets with two tight ends on the field at all times. And I think that Brock Bowers fits in perfectly there. Um, but that is kind of interesting. You don't get a lot of NFL draft prospects coming out and saying, hey, yeah, I, I want to play for a certain team. But he wants to play for the Titans. He wants to be in Nashville. 
Although for him, it might be a little dangerous. Nashville can be a uh, Nashville. You can get you can get carried away with yourself on Broadway. That's all. I'll say. The San Francisco 49ers. Now for the 49ers, this this is ridiculous to me, and this is my you know millionth call to vet who we let ask questions at uh, at, at Super Bowl press availabilities. Brock Purdy was doing his press availability a couple days ago, and he was asked about all of the different tweets and social media posts about him looking like Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee Harvey Oswald, of course, was the uh, assassinated JFK. And he was asked about it, and it's like a five-second clip where he's just like his mouth, his, his chin hits the ground. His mouth drops wide open. You really just asked me that question? Um, but he basically said, I have nothing to say about that. Like, I, I can't, I have... What do you want me to say about that? That I look like Lee Harvey Oswald? Um, but he kind of does, though, if you actually put them side by side. Um, but we need to vet who's asking these damn questions. Andy Reid got asked a question about a conspiracy theory going around about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey's relationship being something that that is trying to get Joe Biden uh, elected coming up in the... Uh, in the, in the presidential election, and and Andy Reid said that's above my pay grade. I can't, I can't really. We need to get a hold on some of these damn questions that are being asked at Super Bowl press availabilities. But that's the last I'll say. So he didn't deny it though. <laughs> <laughs> the funny they have thing, that on 4chan right now. He didn't deny it. The funniest thing about the party situation is somebody commented and said it's just two guys who definitely do it didn't do it by themselves. Hey, and it's hey, what you just said. The cues, the cues out there, the QAnons, they are. Uh, they're like, he didn't deny it. He didn't deny it. He just said that he couldn't answer that question. <laughs> the Los Angeles Chargers. Now it's official now in L.A. Uh, defense coordinator that was with Michigan, Jesse Minter, will be the defensive coordinator for Jim Harbaugh's staff with the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, I like that move. He's a great defensive coordinator, um, and I think he'll do a good job, a lot better than Brandon Staley did. Um, but I, that, that's not, that doesn't seem like it's that hard to do. The other... Interesting, interesting development out of L.A. with Jim Harbaugh's staff. And I know that Greg Roman had success under him with Colin Kaepernick, with the 49ers, and he was with him at Stanford. And they have a good, the Harbaugh's have a great relationship with Greg Roman, who obviously got moved off of um, in Baltimore uh, for Todd Monk in this offseason. But he hired Greg Roman. He hired Greg Roman. And it looks like he may be the O.C., for the Chargers going into next year. Listen, I think Jim Harbaugh is a great coach, and I think he makes the decisions that are best for his teams. I think he's a good team builder. I don't get Greg Roman as a offensive coordinator with Justin Herbert as your as your star quarterback. I don't get that at all. You need to let Justin Herbert drop back and play some ball and use his arm, and Greg Roman does not do that. He is a rushing offensive coordinator. He will run the ball. Do they need to run the ball and have more edge about them? Yes, I agree with that wholeheartedly. But you don't need to put Justin Herbert in the pistol and under center all these times and be a running football team when you have Justin Herbert as your quarterback. So I hope that they they come to their senses and don't actually hire him as an OC. Maybe he can be an offensive support staff. But as an offensive coordinator, I just don't think that makes sense with the personnel they have right this second. The Kansas City Chiefs. Now this has to do with our guy Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy is out with the Commanders after just one year when he tried to go prove himself. Quite frankly, with Sam Howell at quarterback and the, I guess the weapons they had there, and it didn't work out all that well. And now he's being let go by the Commanders 
uh, because they brought in Cliff Kingsbury. Now, Andy Reid was asked about um, Eric Bieniemy and what he thinks of him as a coach, and he said, man, he's got a lot of future ahead of him. I think he's got a bright future ahead of him. This leads me to, to the point I need to make to Andy Reid. Hire him back. Hire him back. Your, your offense was a lot better with him. He held people accountable. Matt Nagy does not do that at the same level. Hire him back. I, I do think, you know, as far as Eric Bieniemy head coaching conversations, there does come a point, Connor, and I want your opinion on this. We've asked all the time about Eric Bieniemy. Why is everybody holding out on him? Why, why? It feels like it's a them problem. It's a their problem that they don't want to hire him as a head coach. At some point, we do have to look at Eric Bieniemy. Why are people passing on him? There's got to be something deeper there. There's got to be something deeper there that I can't really put my finger on. But if I'm Andy Reid, I'd hire him back because my offense was a lot better when Eric Bieniemy was running the damn thing. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's uh, I'm not sure why he's not getting jobs. I think that the rumor but there's got to be is, something though. The, they talk about interviews and everything else. I'm not sure do I well buy that with. fully. It's weird. Yeah, it's. I know that the main excuse is he doesn't interview well, but I'm not sure. And I'd I know buy he's that. had a past. And he's had some it criminal things that. in his past. It may be I, that. It's just it's it's strange to me. Like we've asked all these years, like, and, and I've talked about it on several occasions. I think it's unfair he hasn't gotten this opportunity as a head coach. But we've asked all these years about everybody else. What's their problem? Is there a problem with Eric Bieniemy that we don't see that's not very visible? That's that's where I'm at at this point. Now, I also have to bring up one more thing. We have Hall of Fame um, coming up here on Thursday. We have the uh, finalists that are uh, that that have been announced, and we will get uh, our Hall of Famers in. And of course, they'll be inducted during the Hall of Fame game next year. Um, but let me get to those finalists. Let me scroll down really quick. We have Antonio Gates, Julius Peppers, Devin Hester, Tori Holt, Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, Jared Allen. Patrick Willis, Fred Taylor, Rodney Harrison, Darren Woodson, Dwight Freeney, Jari Evans, Eric Allen, and Willie Anderson. I think of those, Julius Peppers immediately should be in. Dwight Freeney should immediately be in. Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne, Torrey Holt, pick and get one of them in. Uh, Antonio Gates with what he did as a tight end with the Chargers for all those years probably in. But I think this is just an ongoing discussion with me. Like wide receivers, at some point, we have to break up this this log jam we have of guys. Guys like Reggie Wayne, guys like Torrey Holt, guys like Andre Johnson should all be in, and there shouldn't even be a second question about it. Patrick Willis, I think, is a guy. Oh, man, Patrick Willis. He was unbelievable. We talked about him yesterday We talked about him air. yesterday off air. That's yeah. how I, we were just dudes in a room talking about football players. Like, God, dude, you remember Patrick I mean, Willis? We could, I mean, uh, dudes could just sit in a room and just spitball on the great players of the past. Like, but but Patrick Willis and a guy like Luke Keekley, like those were the, the the linebackers of our era of our generation that were just unbelievable, man. You a couldn't brick touch wall. Him. Yes. Now he he Patrick Willis did retire early because of all of the hits to the head and everything else. It's hard to be an inside linebacker in the NFL for an extended period of time. Um, but he's a guy that I think should get in as well. But we will see what happens coming up tomorrow night. Who ultimately gets in? Who gets left out for another year? Now, football fans, FanDuel has a perfect way for everyone to get in on the Super Bowl uh, with a no-sweat same-game parlay. But when you bet on Super Bowl 58 on FanDuel, one game can meet a whole lot of wins. America's number one sportsbook has all your favorite bets like the money line and the spread, plus all sorts of prop bets. That means when you combine all your bets for a chance at a bigger payday, you'll get bonus bets back if your same-game parlay doesn't win. So start building your own. Or just bet a popular SGP already made for you in America's number one sportsbook. Just visit FanDuel.com slash GabeK. That is G-A-B-E-K, my promo code, G-A-B-E-K, if you don't already have an account. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 
and 92.9 ESPN. You must be 21 plus and present in Tennessee. Minimum three-leg parlay required. Refund issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Max refund is $5. Must otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you have a gambling problem, call the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. Now, small talk is on the way. Make sure that you stick around. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. It is the Gabe Coon Show on 92.9 FM ESPN, and we are live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios. And Service Master by Cornerstone, they are your local hometown responder. They take pride in responding, big or small, to all of your issues that you may have at your home, residential properties, could be a school, could be an office building. Um, but they've been awarded Service Masters Franchise of the Year Award, meaning they're the number one Service Master Restore franchise in the United States of America. You could have frozen pipes, bursted pipes, water damage. You could have a water heater on the fritz. You could have a fire in there, smoke damage. You could need mold remediation. Whatever it is, big or small, Service Master by Cornerstone will handle it for you. Tyler, the president and owner of Service Master by Cornerstone, and his team are here to help you at these moments. They take pride in helping you at these moments. Their motto is, we don't pray for disaster, but we do pray that you that they get called when there is one. So remember the name locally owned, locally operated service master by Cornerstone. And their number is very simple because they respond so well. It's 901 respond. 901 R E S P O N D 901 respond for my good friends at Service Master by Cornerstone. Now, it's officially time to hop into small talk. Here on 92.9, we talk ball every weekday from 4 till 7 p.m. Except right now, it's time for Big Man Small Talk on 92.9's Gabe Coon Show. And Small Talk is brought to you by Conway Services, reputable service available seven days a week. Now, Connor, can you tell me what the hell is going on with Boeing and these 737 Maxes? I saw a report yesterday, and I've been waiting on this for a while, uh, just sort of watching what's happening. We had the blowout in January. There was a door that flew off of an Alaska Airlines flight. Just blew off completely. But there was a report yesterday that U.S. regulators, who actually went in to investigate it, found that bolts securing the door plug were missing on that Alaska Airlines flight that ended up leading to that midair blowout where <laughs> there's just, I mean, air rushing in, they have to land, emergency. It's unbelievable. These 737 MAX planes are absolutely causing issues. And there was also a report uh, earlier in the year that on, on most of these flights, I think it was somewhere, it was like 70%, something like that, they do have loose bolts on these 737 Maxes that Boeing is putting out. Now, I, the reasons that that is the case, that the, 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 they keep malfunctioning, apparently in 2009, the government began allowing Boeing to conduct its own manufacturing and safety inspections. Um, they let Boeing do it themselves. But I am terrified to go fly on a flight in a way um, now, it, it takes a lot for a plane to go down and for us to, you know, really have a, a catastrophe. Uh, those things uh, just about fly themselves. I know that, uh, uh, you know, uh, pilots would tell you a little bit differently. It's probably not as, as simple as that. But the major airlines in the U.S., Alaska Airlines, American Airlines, United Airlines, Southwest Airlines all have those Boeing 737 Maxes in them. The only flights uh, that are from U.S. carriers that do not carry those those uh, aircrafts, that would be Allegiant Air. But this is ridiculous how many issues they're having with these things. I, I you know, you get on a flight and you don't, you feel like you don't have to worry about things. You clearly have to. You have to pay attention if you're on that 737 Max. I already don't like flying, and it's not going to help. <laughs> 
It's not going to help. Are you are you an anxious flyer? I am an anxious flyer. Yeah. Okay. I don't like not having any control. It's a that's a difficult thing for me to deal with. Like there's just nothing you can do. Like if things go wrong, you're just along for the ride. Yeah. My wife, my wife's an anxious flyer. Very anxious flyer. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not at all. I just can't sleep on flights. I just cannot sleep on flights. It's weird. Once the once the flight gets going, I'm fine. It's just like the minutes leading up to take off. I'm just I, I'm not like freaking out or anything, but I definitely have some anxiety about it. Yeah, so be careful with these US carriers flying on a seven thirty seven max. Everyone be careful. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough out there right this second. Right this second. But we have one hour left in the show. We'll get to the blitz. We'll talk about um, Rick Patino and what he says his solve uh, what he thinks will solve NIL and college basketball in the Blitz. But coming up next, we got to get to some Grizzlies. Xavier Tillman was traded today for two second round picks to the Celtics. So DeMichael Cole from the CA, the Grizzlies beat reporter for them, he will join coming up after this break.